Welcome to episode two of the podcast. In this episode, I had a conversation with Angel Strange. It was very productive, very powerful. He has a strong voice and has a message to share. So let's just get straight into it. to stay where you stay, because we from where you from. I'm talking about the slums. I'm talking about that mind state to keep a black nigga dumb. Keep a black nigga dying by a black nigga gun. And keep them listening to these fronting ass rap niggas, son. Yeah, I said, son, this is New York's finest. For 11 winters straight, I took on New York's climate. Like, show me New York's ladder. I climb it and set the bar so high that you gotta get Obama to force the Air Force to find it. I'm here with Andrew Strange. We've already uh, started our conversation in the car on the way here. He's had great thoughts. He has a powerful voice, and I can't wait to get into this. So, where do you want to start? Um, just uh, kind of, like I said in the car, I've been away from the Marlboro vibe. I haven't been in Marlboro. I grew up in Marlboro my whole life. You know, you know for a fact, like, you know, you've known me throughout childhood. You've seen me kind of grow up to the person who I am. Kind of like... Kind of basketball since yeah, like yeah. fourth grade. And bro, like honestly, that I still think about those those memories, the rivalry against Shrewsbury, bro. Like the, those are the, the days, bro. Uh, <laughs> I miss those days so much. But uh, just like, like like tell me like how I don't know, cause like I wouldn't know. I'm kind of interesting. How would you how would you think that like me after I left Marlboro personally? How would you say that like would you? Cause I don't know, cause it's high school. Like, you know how high school is, like, conversations, you know, and, like, I don't how know. Has Marlboro changed, or have, how have... How, like, how did people think of me, or how did, like... There was never a bad taste in the mouth when talking about you. Um, we, I mean, there was no real thought to it. We understood that was your path, that was what's happening in your life. I'm You and Ashanti, it's just the way it was. It was... No one thought of it much. It wasn't a negative thing. It wasn't a be- like a good thing. It was just that was your path. You're, you were destined to go to Hudson. You went there and you've become this man you are today. And you mm-hmm. found your voice there. And it's not important where you found it or how you found it. It's just important that you found it, you know? And and the reason why I asked that, I don't even want to like, I don't want to seem like I'm like looking or seeking for attention. No, no, no. It's, no, just, no. Uh, it's just the fact that me growing up in that environment truthfully depicted how I acted for up for my whole life up until 11th grade and after I left that environment it's all and, the process of maturing man and I could really tell how like how like how just like lost I was just in in life and just how thinking and like and just how childish like I was and just how I feel like, I don't know, I feel like we may all like grow into that because like we're out of high school now, we're out of, we're not going to be around those people who we've been seeing our half of our whole lives, like a hundred percent. And like just that alone, like just being out of that atmosphere, it's, it's definitely going to play a part on how it's how you shape yourself and how you present yourself and how you think. And you're definitely going to look back and think on points in time that, you know, definitely you were either at your lowest point or people, your quote friends maybe put you at your lowest point. And you know, you may, you you really may like, you know, like get, it, it may get to you a lot to be honest, but you know, my my personal opinion is to just try to, you know, try to just put it all in the past and just try to move forward 100%. No reason to dwell on the past. The past is the past, you can't change it, nothing about it. You can't worry about the past or the future. It's all about right here. Mm-hmm. And that's important and it seems like you're realizing that and you found it and whatever it was that Hudson gave it to you I really want to talk about I saw a while back on either snapchat or sorry the thing wasn't picking up very well I saw um, back a little bit ago you had a post on social media about how this coach really was the best coach you've ever had and I really wanted to get into what was different about him what was you had so many coaches in your life what how did he get to you I would say I would say I had um, my basketball life. I definitely had three or four coaches that definitely stood out to me and definitely like depicted, and I still think about to this day. Definitely depicted and shaped the man that I am today. And like basketball, like I feel like it's the greatest sport for one because you know 
immediately everybody everybody brings like you know different type of a feel everybody has their own type of you know thought. it's a team sport it's a team sport and while you saying that it's a team sport with everybody having their own type of grasp and feel on the game it only coincides and only works out when everybody you know puts everything together and like that alone taught me so much in life it's taught me about how I should carry myself as a man it's taught me about women it's taught me about just like a whole a whole bunch of other things and when I went to when I went to Hudson like it was like like I already had notoriety like uh, I would say like I've definitely made a name for myself with basketball around like just the whole central mass area uh -huh. which you know which is I say is a good thing but like anybody can do better any 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 type of talent that you have any type of aspirations that you have just you know try to grind on that every day because I do look on times where I am a talented basketball player and I could have gotten better and maybe I did take that for granted but with that being said I I definitely say I'm still a basketball a great basketball player but that's that confidence you need yeah, you really yeah. need confidence in yourself 100% and that move to Hudson you know confidence is key and everything you know I would say that that my senior year yeah, I really understand what it was really all about. And as a basketball player, like, it just that that really means so much to me. You know, like, I remember my first basketball game in fifth grade, like versus Hopedale. I, I scored two points, and my dad to this day, I was like, I was I was pretty chubby as a kid. I'm not gonna lie. I was I was. <laughs> I was we all, bro. We all. We we were all in that phase, chubby and you know, buzz cut, chubby buzz cut. <laughs> I mean, we were all in that phase, bro. I'm not gonna lie. But my dad, he always used to joke around with me because I remember like we made in a factory. My bro, my first game, I was so fat, like it was a, it was the real deal, like running up and down the court, yeah. like the real deal. Bro, like I was like, Dad, like, <laughs> like running up the court, tapping, like, can you call the timeout? Tell the coach to call the timeout. My parents and my my family were all dying on the bench, like, like I don't know, just like things like that, like, and I just like you know, back then I thought that it was all I I knew, like I just like I knew what the game was about. I knew what the game was about, like you know, I'm just gonna go out there, do it all myself, yeah. you know. And me scoring two points that game, I really like made it an effort to when I play basketball to you know score as much as I can at any will. You know what I'm saying? Like be because like it, it's really like I smoke every day and like um to tell you, bro, those 20, 30 point wins, it is it, better than a fucking half, better than an ounce. <laughs> like those shits, bro. I'm telling you, Ed. It, there's no yeah, better I, feeling. Dude, no you, better I mean, yeah, feeling. Probably heard about our basketball season. I, of well, course but I did. Those games we did win, same as football. I mean, I felt on top of the world. I felt like we could conquer any team after, and mm -hmm. it was a contagious feeling. And I really wish, looking back at the season, we could have picked up on that energy mm -hmm. and kind of mm -hmm. rolled with it. But there was there was a barrier on our team, especially because we had kids who quit during the beginning. We had people failing off, and it was it wasn't that we couldn't find our team confidence it was we never had a solid team to build it with you know yeah. once we signed, finally had a solid team at the end yeah. we were having like Too one late. point game and two point games with teams like I yeah. know I know I, bro believe me I, if anybody's gonna be looking at that I know because I I was looking to see that that Marlboro Hudson on that on the schedule and bro I'm telling you I would have went for that game you know I would have but I mean so like would have been a battle honestly like I don't know just Basketball and that move to Hudson, it it let me be myself. It let me be the player that I kind of wanted to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I I felt like I had like my own team. Like I was kind of like the star, the main attraction. And with that being said, my main goal was to just win, just win. And I know that that's what it's Do all about now. You know what I'm saying? And it took me it took me a long time to figure out that what that that's all about. Uh -huh. And like like what you were saying, like. It's amazing. It feels like a high when you're on top. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But when you're on top, it's you just expect that to happen. Like you know, like those those um, travel days. You know when we were on top, like losing two games a season, or like you know, like we felt like we had the shit. But like in like my sophomore year with like Chris Doherty, Kevin Short, like I I've been mentioning the conversation with Chris Doherty, like and that's like honestly like a blessing because like that is one hell of a player, like. Some people say that we and him have similarities. I've definitely like looked up to him. Like mm -hmm. I love like 
that Owen Capadonna, that Conor, Mc, like Conor McCabe, John Mendez grade, like, like if they don't really know. I feel like I, I try to tell them, but like as like in seventh it's who grade, we saw. it's who we saw. That's like, bro, example. it felt like it literally felt like the coolest thing just being in those CMAC yeah. practices. Like, bro, like that's and, awesome, bro. And when I got like when like I got to that level of you know like being with Chris sophomore year and everything was rolling, you know me. Me and Stevie being the only sophomores on the team, like, actually, like, getting time, like, that doesn't happen often, like, it's all high, like, you know what I'm saying, like, and, like, things working out so well, like, we were so successful that year, like, honestly, bro, like, I still think about that team almost every day, and, like, I, and I think of how Kevin instilled, like, um, instilled the thought process of, like, nothing matters, nothing matters, anything, like, nothing else matters about me. Um, the game except for the win and like he really pissed me off sometimes like he really like got on me sometimes like all of them him and Chris like it like there were some times like where I actually like dead ass wanted to square up like Stevie, Stevie would, when I get haircuts from him and we talk about things like that he would always say how back in the day like there was actual brawls in practice yeah bro my me and Stevie's freshman year, I seen John Mendez literally. I think, I, think I know this story. Literally call Alex Santos a bitch. Push like, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna call any, I'm not gonna call it names, but it's basketball. But like, I mean, like those that grade, like, bro, that, that they didn't play, they didn't play, and it. And they had the most talent. They, they really had, did it. And that's Bellman, the thing. Bellman would always tell us. He said that class had the most talent. They had no discipline. But and that's what happened. And the thing is, that's the thing too. You know, it's really sad because easily within the last ten years, that was by far the most talented grade. John Owen, Chris Connor, that grade was by far the most talented grade. But. Like, you know, it takes so much more than that, and that's what Kevin Short was trying to tell me my seven, my, um, my sophomore year. It takes so much more to that. They had, like, they, I'm not going to lie, they did have ego problems because they were so talented that, yeah, like, it 100%. was hard to share and that they're in their senior year, their last, you know, triumph, and that everybody's together, that it's kind of hard to share. And you can kind of see, like, that happening, but, like, there's so much, you know, goes into it, and I learned, I, like, figured that out for myself at Hudson, I felt like so successful and I felt extremely happy, you know, just winning games and like by myself and like with my team, with mm -hmm. an actual team, like doing it the right way. And, you know, I just felt like it was because like it proved that I could I'm so talented enough that I could go anywhere and like be successful. Like, um, yes. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened. Um, I missed the first four games because of some smoking shit. At Marlboro, I got caught with a dab pin. So, and I actually like did track, but like I didn't like do the whole track thing because that's when I was in the process of moving to Hudson. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't be like, oh yeah, I can't go to track practice every day. I'm moving to Hudson because uh -huh. that's why I'm in the situation that I'm in. But like I had to miss four games, right? And the first game I came back, it was a team that you guys actually lost to, and I thought we were gonna lose to that team, but like we actually beat that team, and we finished off the season eight and ten, right? And you needed nine wins to, like, get into the playoffs. And they lost four in a row. Like, even the coach said, like, I'm not saying, like, if with Angel we could have went three and two or two and two or one and three. But, like, just, like, having that notoriety and, like, having the background of me and Bar me and Bauman having that tough pass and, like, so much, like, you know, like, a lot of things, like, me and Stevie had a falling out because, like, I feel like once you, like, get to that upper echelon and, like, you're really talented, like your egos kind of collide. Yeah. You know what I'm it, saying? You gotta swallow your ego. So like, that's what, that's what like, it kind of like, it plays a part in a whole lot of things. And like, what Kevin was like, I, I like, I, I even texted him after the season ended. I was like, thank you a lot. Like what you were talking about, like sophomore year, I thought like you were just getting on my nerves, but like you were really like telling me to like, trying so you, to steer me in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? And like, I really appreciate that for him, and I appreciate my coach for giving me the, you know, the the wherewithal, like, you know, the confidence to, you know, just be myself, be my own player, my passion that I love, and it was just, it was beautiful, to be honest, I, I had highs, I had highs at that school, to be honest. So do you think the coach brought you to this realization, or do you think you just started to put things together? You saw where you were at, and you just where you you reflected on those things you learned you you were looking back at those old moments and you felt the purpose of the 
that statement from Kevin and those moments from Kevin that really, like, did you reflect on that time and find yourself, or was it something that that coach brought out of you? That it got, was more so, um... Or did you find it, and then you look back and realize you were told that in the past? It was, a lot of things have to do with it, actually. Um, a lot of things, between that time of me being on that team with Kevin and Chris and all those guys, um, me smoking every day, and me being, like, a pretty good basketball, and like me struggling as a sophomore smoking and like being a sophomore in varsity is hard enough but like when you add smoking to your equation like I feel like I played like I'm sure like in games you couldn't even tell like that like I just like probably smoked a few like hours before that or like I just smoke every day like I it's at the point where it doesn't even affect me to be real like real talk two years ago it really didn't even affect me because that's just how much I started smoking but like no just like the way people like would think of you, think of your game, and like how it may have like played a part of how you were to play, and like how like you had to have the mindset, and you had to be have a strong mindset to like you know not let that any of that affect who you are and how you play. Because many times I'm I'm ten times as talented or ten times as productive on the court than somebody who isn't smoking as much as me, and like I just feel like people kind of just saw that and try to like, you know, just put that on me and think that like, try to use that against me in my game sometimes. And sure. they pushed me harder. And when like I got there, like them like looking up to me, them saying, oh, Angel Strange, them already knowing my name. <clears throat> me already like doing really well in the summer league, like having 20 plus 30, 30 point games, like doing really well, you know what I'm saying? And like, I don't know, them already, like, you know, knowing that I'm going to be productive, them having, like, this, you know, type of aspiration yeah, out of me. Yeah, 100%. So I had to, like, kind of, yeah. You like, wanted to fulfill that role, you know? 100%, 100%. And I definitely did, and, like, the coach even told me that I did. He brought me up to Westfield State to meet the coach, you know? That's awesome, man. He, he like, I'm, for Fisher College, the college that I'm going to, they have a really good team. Like, I'm, I'm just going to walk on. I know I'm talented enough to just walk on. I've been to D2 camps, D3 camps, D4 camps, like, you can hang. Yeah, I can hang. You know what I'm saying? All I need, really need is a shot, a chance. But, like, <laughs> honestly, like, it just it just, it just, just taught me how to just be confident. And, like, you know, it, like I said, basketball taught me so much about, like, my life that, like, um... It was your path. It's what you found your self-confidence. Yeah. It's where you found your voice. Yeah, bro. It, it makes sense. I mean, it builds a team. That's why sports are so important. Uh-huh. It gives you a sense of community. It gives you a sense of working together and people's different perspectives coming together and making, working towards one goal. And that's that's an important skill. That's a team leader. That's a team building skill. And that's how adults. And that's how we need to look at things. We need to break them back down to our roots. I mean, we were taught mm -hmm. as kids. We were all playing. There, if you ask anybody, they played a sport at a time. It wasn't like you missed out on that opportunity. There wasn't any kid who just never was on a soccer field or a basketball court, and it's in us, and we've learned those principles, and it's time to realize that's what we need now, and we need that unity, and we need to realize it's a, it's one common goal. It really is. Yeah, and the reason why I really felt successful is, like I said, I missed those four, four games, and we needed nine to get into the playoffs, and, like, after they didn't win any games before I started playing, and then, like, we, there was one point where we won four in a row. Like, we had a mission. Like, I just felt like, I was like, damn, like, Angel, you're really the real deal. Like, if you wanted to play in college, you could play in college. If you wanted to, like, try to strive, yeah. after, strive for anything after that, you're talented enough to do that. Like, you're, like, you're you talented. You, you know want. what I'm saying? You like, it, it really gave me a boost of confidence. And, like, it kind of, like put something that was inside of me that like kind of ate at me it kind of like put that away yes, like put I, that in the grave I with everything you're saying bro. and like it like I I'm sure I don't I'm sure like Bauman or Graham like maybe looked at like the Hudson records like I don't I don't even care if they did but like the things that they said to me the player that they thought that I who I was I just know that I proved them wrong just by going to there and doing what I did it's, you know what I'm saying it's good that you proved them wrong, but that wasn't your goal. And it really, and, and it really and wasn't why, from the day day one. It was. That's wasn't. why you were successful. It's that. That's why you're successful. It was out of you had love for yourself and you had appreciation for the game, and that's why you loved it. It wasn't that you were 
you wouldn't have been successful if this was all out of hate for someone else. A hundred percent. That's how you got there. And I know, and I know, bro. I know for a fact that you know that because you've been, you've been with like me. You've been in the environment of like those heydays, bro. Those high times. I'm telling. Those championships. Those going to those pizza places (laughs) after it, bro. Like. Those were the happiest times, the best times of my childhood, a hundred percent. And it's it's nice that you can look back yeah. and reflect and see where that feeling came right. from, and where it takes place in your life today. Definitely. Um, before let's cut the basketball jive. Let's <laughs> kind of jump and hop into like the main type of. Reason. Whatever you want to talk about. What More you of like talk the about? the reason why I kind of asked why I was. The reason why I asked what did people like kind of think of me after I left um, Marlboro is how like it kind of has to do with what's going on today and how it kind of shaped it and how it kind of just plays a part on who I was or who I used to be or who what I used to think of myself or how I used to present myself in order to fit in or what I would do in order to fit in and like it, it's just a uh, it's just like you know it's really interesting. Um, I would like to highlight, um, I would like to get into the discussion of the Black Lives Matter movement at this moment. And I would like to, you know, make several points like I did at my protest to why BLM... I'm going to post your speech, by the way, uh, if you're comfortable with that. Oh, yeah, no problem, I no problem. I want people to see that. Yeah, why BLM, the quote, the abbreviation BLM is of relevance today. And it's many, um, many um, points that I could, you know, I could definitely attest to and account for that I would just like to point out and many points that just fly over you guys' head that I'm gonna shed light on like you guys may um, may or not, you know, find interesting or interestingly enough to try to help you and steer you in the right direction to try to run away from or try to get away from or help what's going on to, in today's society. Now, one of my points being why What's going on today is that every African-American male, including myself, in America is either institutionalized by his physical appearance or his environment that he resides in. And with that being said, um, like, my, my parents grew up in inner city Boston, so their, their family, that's their hard, parents, that's rough. the heart of it, bro. And I'm telling you, like... Old school Boston, that's a tough time. It's not, it's not even old school, bro. Like, you thinking, you just thinking that, like, that's still going on today. I have family still in those situations. I know people still in those situations. If you, all you need to do is go into particular parts in Boston to see those same situations, bro. Like, real talk. And... Like where I'm right where I'm about to go to school, um, in the commons, you know where Cheesecake Factory is? On I'm not aware of that, but in the city. Continue. Like they call it my my parents call it the black mile. Crack addicts, heroin addicts, like using crack and heroin like like a mile away from the commons, bro. Like right near the credential center in the hospital. Like and then like this is this is just like a normal thing yeah, like like if we were to take a trip right now like you would see heroin and crack addicts just like chilling walking up and down the street sitting on bus stops like cuz like that's just the environment inner city boston like people getting it's killed it's hard to get out of hard to get out of two it's a trap two months ago bro there was four homicides in six days like this shit's still going on, but like we don't really not everybody around us. It's, not it's a tough situation because there's so many stories. It's hard for every single one to be heard, mm-hmm. and it's sad. And that's a sad thing to know that there's pe- there's deaths that are not gonna be grieved the way they should be and known the way they should be in the public. And this isn't a new thing, and we're seeing that in not just. Each and every day, the new new situations coming out. We're seeing it in the resurfacing of cases. I mean, Breonna Taylor was not even public knowledge for the longest time. It took it took George Floyd's death to bring that to the attention. And that's you saying that, bro. And that's the re like history. Time hasn't really co- changed. It's covered up. Everything's covered up. And like the big reality is just time. Like, technology grows, like, society makes advancements, but people themselves don't necessarily change, and time doesn't really change based, based off what history has happened. So I'll get back into my point. Um, 
with my parents, you know, having their family, you know, being in the um, gang violence, being on crack, being on heroin, my family made strides to get out of that environment, move us out to Framingham, move us out to Marlboro, to, you know, try to get us out of that environment. Because nine times out of ten, if I were to grow up in that environment, I'm sure I probably would be in a gang right now. Would, I don't know, like... You don't know where you could be. I, I, who knows where I could be. That, and, like, if I if I didn't lead to that, you know, the tough part about, you know, being in that environment, my dad told me, like, kind of while he got sucked up, like, like if you're not in that environment, and, like, say, like, Batesy, like, Batesy's your best friend. Like, if Batesy's in that environment, and, like, you guys grew up, like, together, like, since, like, four years old or whatever, like, you may, like, think about joining that environment or, like, since like it's a sense of family, you it's know what I'm saying. You know that's, what I'm saying. That's what gangs are. People who don't have a family life at home, or they don't have that confidence given to them by an outside source at a young age, they re they refer to that because that's all they know, and that's, that's all, all that's they there. know, and that's all that's pushed into their face, pushed into their environment. It's all about in the environment, bro. And like real talk, um. Trying to find the balance. I'm sorry, this audio is going up and down. I'm and really trying to... Honestly, like like I said, the crack, the heroin, the gang violence, my dad said that he told me that he gets P he still has PTSD from seeing his best friend getting shot in the face, like, feet away from him. Like, shit like that. I can't like imagine that. trying to get over that. I cannot. And, bro, so many stories that they would not want me to tell you and say on a podcast so many situations that like I really think to myself like 90% of people outside that 97% of people outside of that window will never ever ever see or be a part of ever ever and like it's crazy since they want to move outside of that outside of that environment they bring them out here to Marlboro Hudson Framingham into the suburbs that is a majority of white people but unknowingly they're looking for, you know, the American dream. They're looking to raise their children, right? But unknowingly, the since their children are the, quote, minorities and that um, these towns are filled predominantly with white people, they are minorities and they're subjected to one way or another, uh, ten ways or another, a thousand ways or another, throughout elementary school, middle school, high school, discrimination one way, you know what I'm saying? And, like, it just plays, it, it's crazy because, like, it's like a black man or any minority for that reason, but a black man especially, he can't run away from not approaching danger. He can't run away from not getting into that environment or that situation that is either gonna belittle him Just or put him in a wrong direction. And right now, this is why, like, I'm trying to go to college, like, I'm trying to do something with my life, like, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, be that change. I'm trying, trying to be, be that, that change, change because, like, it really could be, it could be, it could be me. It could be my nephew, it could be my dad, it could be my Don't grandfather. Don't say it could be, it will be, bro. It, it will, will be. be. With the mindset and the confidence you have, you're gonna change and you're gonna be the change. No, but I was saying, I was saying along the terms of going out, getting harassed by police, getting shot. Like, the reason why, like, we were talking in the car earlier about Massachusetts, the reason why it doesn't really happen up here is, like, really, bro, is because time hasn't changed. Like, Massachusetts during the Civil War was a part of the North, you know what I'm saying? So, like, there were still slaves, but, like, they were still, like... More progressive. More progressive of, like, others. So that's why we're in a land of where, like... We lead the nation. We lead the this nation. Massachusetts is the best state in this nation, and we lead them. It has been shown throughout time, and I, it can, it's stressed right now through coronavirus. Exactly. We had the we had one of the worst states, and we have brought it to the point where we are in complete control. We are opening up how we planned. People listened. It, we are the leaders of this nation. 100%. We are in the hub of the world right 100%. now. A hundred percent. Because we are the leader of a nation. That's the leader of the world. Now, with that being said, the reason... Where you see people running away, going on jogs, being shot, having their knees on their necks, um, being hung. It's all places that were Confederate states, all They're Midwest of the South. Yes, yeah, still in that lifestyle. Because time really hasn't changed. It's not even it's that like they how haven't the caught Emancipation up. Act yeah. was signed and two years later slaves find out in the South that they're actually free. It took two years for that information to get down there. It feels like that delay is still here. Even with all that media in our face and all this new technology we have, it feels like there's this block somehow from the North to the South and it's frustrating. It really is. But 
with persistence and setting an example, we're we're gonna find we're gonna find change. Did you write the address? But yeah, um, sure. like I was saying, bro, um, a hundred percent, and it's just like I know that like if I were to like take another avenue in my life later down the road, like I could possibly, or me, or any black man for that matter, just because I'm not in because I'm in Massachusetts, and if I wanted to, you know further out my location, like, I could really be subjected to that. And it's scary, and that's yes, why... Yes, it is. That's why I just, like, I really could. And, like, believe me, Ed, like, you know my family. Like, you know how Shanti, how Shanti acts. Like, if they were in that environment, <laughs> ten times or not, how likely, how likely are they to, to suffer that danger? Just based off of knowing me, or just based off of knowing Shanti. <laughs> like, how, how likely are we likely to have that happen to us too likely too likely <laughs> way, too likely. way too likely so i'm just saying like it's scary you know and um another one of my points is that um society like i said time hasn't really changed so with that being said society has a grasp on everybody in it in america and everybody has this type of interpretation of black people, and they do this with music, television, films, like, it's a whole lot of things, you know? It's instilled in us. It's instilled in us. Um, like, uh, it, it's really crazy. Like, um, on, on TV, like, think of, like, uh, an Academy Award-winning, like, black movie. Like, it's nine times out of ten about poverty, nine times out of ten about yeah. slavery. A black man being it's almost villainous. As people, it's all they know. They, it's like they haven't actually talked to. Or person. like you want to like experience and want to see like a new like modern in depth look on that. Always, like it's crazy, bro. I read. Um, I'm taking a racial injustice class right now for writing, and we read this book, uh, Nickel Boys, and we had a discussion on it, and we were discussing how that. Was in that concept is instilled and it's systemic, but we we took a, we made change. We took away slavery, but we never took we never gave African Americans the love they needed. We 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 took away the problem, but we never gave them help. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We we needed to dive into their culture and make them feel part of America, and we never have. And it shows. And you're never gonna be able to. There never is going to be change unless we can show love to their culture and we could show love to what they believe in and what their real lives are like. We've depicted a picture of what their real lives are and that's not true. And the thing is that, like I, the reason why I asked you what, like what was Marlboro like after I left, you being, or like with that being said, me like wanting to be like accepted and me wanting to fit in so much i learned that quote friends in the past have used me as being black to navigate or to put it into a direction of maybe making them seem funnier in a certain type of situation or making them seem like cooler in a certain type of situation and they would influence that thought so much that i would want to fit in and i would even like put that thought in like kind of carry it on into works on myself, you know what I'm saying? And like, that's wrong. Like, honestly, that like that could really make somebody like cry at night, real talk. Yeah. Like, it's crazy how like, just what you, wherever your environment you are in and like, whoever like, you know, like you feel like attracted, emotionally attracted or attached to like as a friend, like, you, like what they can do and like how they could like bend they and could push shape you down you, you know what I'm saying a hundred percent and like it's crazy um, another thing is like so many things that like like you said like um, like time um, time time just really hasn't changed and like how you said like society paints and portrays a way of black people a lot of things in our households our kitchens our cabinets um, things that we've been saying since we were children, like nursery rhymes, like there's thousands of things that originate and like, you know, like come from beginnings of making black people, putting them down, like making a lot of fun of them. And like, I'll, I'll just give a, I'll give an example if that's all right. Go for it. Oh, voice crack. Now this is, 
This is the soundtrack to the ice cream truck song that you hear. Like and this was a part of your speech. Yeah, this was this. This is just like so. Everybody, whoa, whoa, whoa. everybody knows the tone, the tune of the ice cream truck song. That came from a Looney Tunes episode that was talking about black people eating watermelon. So like that, bro. Like it's just little things. Like the Aunt Jemima. Like yeah, I'm sure you recently heard that they're changing the face of the Aunt I've Jemima seen it. thing. I, I work at Target. I've seen it. Like that. Um. Like I'm sure like you could tell in like TV shows like like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Martin. Like how like the black man is always like depicted as a funny character and at the end of the show like he's put in these situations at the end of that situation but he's he just came made... out of a bad situation I know it wasn't like he couldn't start there you know what exactly I'm like it just starts that way it's it's, it's all on the same pro like it's all on the same foundation a hundred percent and it, it's crazy because like if that's the case why not try to change that from time why try to like it... progress on that or try to not change it, but like try to remake it or try to instill it till it's not so violent that it just flies over our heads. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's really crazy, and like a hundred percent, bar none, the African American man is just the most copied man in America. Like I'm sure we could all attest to what music that we listen to, what clothes that we wear. Like I remember, I, I can't agree with this enough. All the pop, all my favorite pop culture leader public figures are are african-american i love comedy and all my favorite comedians are black and i love sports and all my favorite athletes, athletes are, are black. black and i love music and all my favorite artists are african-american it's like what we're relying on them to give us all this enjoyment yet we're not letting them in, bask in it and like how can you call somebody a nigger but you listen to you listen to Wiz Khalifa, you listen to um, Little Uzi Vert, you listen to whatever, I don't even care. Like, what do, what do people listen to nine times out of ten? Um, a boogie with a hoodie, whatever. But, like, like, how can you make those jokes, but you listen to that? How can you make those yeah. jokes, but you watch LeBron, you watch Kevin Durant, you wear Kevin Durant throwback jersey, you wear yeah. Michael Jordan throwback jersey in school. You wear Jordans, like you act and say the N-word more times than I do. And when I say the N-word, I'm looked crazy for saying it. Yeah. And I, I, I don't even have it in my vocabulary. I just I say to it just to, to say it. This. Like, it's crazy. I have a question. Mm -hmm. Why, I know you might not have the answer, and why is, why does African-American community use the N-word? To use the N-word? I understand the concept of reclaiming the word, but I feel like there's such a negative connotation behind it that it's almost more it's almost more beneficial to just abolish the word. So when you completely I'll give you I'll give you like just a, a testament. It's just you know that there's history behind the word. So like you, yeah, we kinda reclaimed it. So like when you hear the word like from a grandfather or just anybody who's like black and like a sense of endearment or just a sense of like, you know, like friendship or just a sense of not negativity. It feels like as a black person, it just feels like welcoming. It feels homing. Like, so it feels you reformed the word. You you're like, using it in a different connotation. And like white people wouldn't understand the reformation of the word because you're not like it. You, you weren't a part of it. You, you weren't a part of you the wouldn't reformation. like you really. It's so hard to, for me to understand because you would never be a part of this situation. Because, like, with that being said, like, from birth, yeah, that, like, word was used around me. That word was, like, in the household. Like, I've heard it in cookouts, everything. Like, I, it's just another, like, just part another of word. vocabulary. But, like, just, like, when I grow up and I'm thought to as these ways, you know what I'm saying? 
if I'm thought as a nigga, why can't I say nigga? Why can't I, like, exactly 100%? If, like... But it's not that I'm saying you can't say it. I'm saying, why would you want that word out there still? It's not... And I, un I you answered my question. You told me it, was, it wasn't that... It came with the neg. You didn't even learn the negative side of it until you were taught it in school. I imagine. I bet it was just. It's not even. It's not even more so. Why would you want the word out there? It's the reason why. Like you feel that way. Is again because of the environment that you grew up in. So if you were in Boston, around like, if the if the if the script was flipped and the majority of people were black around you in Boston, you wouldn't even be saying the word right or wrong. 100%, right? Because you're white. But like people, again, because you're that one white guy, one out of that many white people in Boston, throughout your life, you're gonna grow like some type of persona. People are gonna like, you know, depict you things off of you just because you're white. So like me being in different settings, there's different interpretations of that word. Like, what you're saying right now, it has a whole different meaning of you being in another environment. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Even those people that are at school saying it, if they were in Worcester, if they were in inner city Boston, if they were in anywhere else, nine times, ten times out of ten, they would not be saying that word or using it just because they know of the environment and the situation because of the, who they are. You know what I'm saying? It's because of... Like, it's just like, it's, it's really hard to explain because like, just growing up and like, knowing that like, you're black and you have the power to like, society sees you as that way and society somewhat is somewhat scared of you, truthfully because they're afraid of you to be, have intellect and grow past of what they created and set in stone for you, you know what I'm saying? Become stronger than what they expect. A hundred percent. So like... Us using that word, it's like, it's, it's, it's really nothing to us when it's around us. But when you're using that word, and if you're not black, it's as if you're like making a mockery because we're, we're not around our former kind, and you're not around your former kind because you're in front of a person who is either thinks differently of that word or is gonna think differently of that word if you say that word to them. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's just completely different. Those people that you hear them saying, like, those people that you hear saying it at school and in the environments that they're saying it in, they wouldn't be saying it in the environments as if there were a lot of African-American people in because they would know better. And if they did, they would get their asses beat. It's because I didn't do this because Again, like me being in this environment as a black kid, a black man growing up in high school, growing up in Marlboro, a predominantly white area, you hear people saying that so much and you could see the negativity and me being the only African-American, quote, the only nigga, you could see how they look differently of you and see what their real epitome and interpretation of you is. So when they say that word, you're like... You know what I'm saying? That's where you feel some type of way because they already look at you differently from the jump. Nor more, more so of them more than others. You know what I'm saying? So that's it like. Does that answer your question? I understand what you're saying. I get. I it does answer my question. I mean, you're like, getting at I. I didn't grow up with the word in the same light you grew up with it, and the reason we're not we should not use it is because it's not you have i understand i guess i never really understood the idea of reclaiming it and you explained it to me it's you used it as a word it's brotherhood you you had a hardship you grew through this pain and now and you that's, all share and, but that that's not the thing that's the thing too there's different ways that we use it as well like a nigga to me is a person is what the Marlboro High wanted to depict me and is what I sometimes was in Marlboro High derivative of because of that environment. A nigga is somebody who's ignorant, somebody who thinks that just because they're black that they have some type of arrogance, some type of snobbish like presence to, you know, bring that out against everybody because they're black. That's what a nigga is. A nigga, Tupac said a nigga is a black man with chains 
on the bottom of his feet and a nigga is a black man with a gold chain around his neck. So a black man with gold chain around his neck is probably selling drugs in the in the street life, probably, you know, like thinking of himself try like you know what I'm saying? You, you know what I'm saying? So like there's different ways that we look at it too, but you guys still wouldn't understand that because you're not black. It's, yeah, it's 100%. all up to perspective and interpretation. Like, like, it's just seen as such a negative word in my world from my history that I never understood why you'd want it to be spoken. But think about it. I no, I understand now. I understand. How many times, like, can you think? How many times would you hear me say it? Like, when back in the day. Often, but not like to not, the point where I would you stress had no it, to right? Say it to, though. Exactly. Okay. But I, often, I but not at. to the point where I would like stress it, right? No. But yeah. how many times would you hear people around me saying it more than often than I do? Too often. Too often. And with that being said, with them thinking that they are, with them thinking that it's all right to use that, uh, over time I'm gonna grow accustomed to it just being that way because. There's no, there's no other kind around me. And since there's so little kind around me, we're looked at to be like, you know, looked at like over the shoulder. Like, I don't, I, like, that's, that's the thing about black people too. Like black people, not a lot of the time are jealous of other, or hate on other black people the second that they're doing or being successful. There's just, it's just a lot of things that white America, white society wouldn't understand and probably will never understand. You can't say never though because if you want change, we're gonna have to understand. Mm -hmm. So it's conversations like these, I bet people are having person to person, it's this being broadcasted that's gonna bring that change. I wanted to discuss one thing with you and I think you already answered it but you ha seem to have a real resentment for authority when you were younger in Marlboro, you wouldn't, you gave teachers a hard time and my mother brought this up as well because she taught at Hudson in a classroom very close to yours mm -hmm. and she was just curious, this is, she loves you, she loves your personality, she loves what you brought to Hudson, she loves the man you've become, she loves what we're doing right now, but she wants to know why sometimes you gave teachers a hard time and sometimes I would just be a nice guy. Yeah, but she gave me an example, like you have your headphones and then a teacher would call you out and you'd feel singled out. And I think the reason you reacted like that was because in an environment in Marlboro where you felt like the only African-American, you felt singled out. You, f you felt singled out and then when someone brought it to your attention, you, when someone, anyone was authoritative with you, you still felt singled out. See, with you saying that, it could be true, but with white people and me being the only black person how can I run away and hide from that? You know what I'm saying? And especially but, as a young man, a young child, you know, growing up, how can I not stare out myself out of that direction? Yeah. And you, truthfully, you like, you to help you. honestly, I wouldn't say that, like, again, like, I, I feel like I was just trying to do so much things just to maybe sometimes fit in sometimes, or like, sometimes when I would give a teacher a hard time, Nine times out of ten, it would be because it would be because I felt like they were giving me a hard time, or if like a te or if I knew that a teacher had a, a higher authority over me, and I knew that they would probably go to like a coach or a principal, I wouldn't give them so much of a hard time for that. Like I always wanted to like kind of be funny sometimes, I guess. I don't know if that kind of played a part into like what you're thinking, but I feel like I just. I don't know, like as a kid, like I just really didn't give a fuck to be honest. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you can attest like there's many situations. There's been many moments where I've witnessed Andrew Strange not giving not, a fuck. I just really didn't give a fuck a lot of the time, bro, to be honest as a kid. Still to this day, like I just keep to myself, I just don't give a fuck. <laughs> like real talk, bro. Honestly. Like like if somebody like if I feel like somebody's giving me some type of negative vibe like and you can I'm, pick up on that energy and that's and, a mature that's a mature quality of you and if they're doing it to the point where I'm just like <laughs> I'm gonna just like not give a fuck and just do me however I really give a fuck and want to do because again that's the environment that I grew up in it is like if you were to look at Ashanti's the same way if you were to look at our mom and if you were to have spend a month with our mom and see how she really acts, you'll see why 
because like of the environment and the things that we've been through in life. It's just all things that kind of shapes who you are, to be mm -hmm. honest, what you really go through, what's going on in your home. Like, I'm sure like what goes on in this house kind of shapes of how you acted in school I and what it, you learned direct, in this house. Directly. I mean, just like me, you're bro. Not, your resemblance of your environment. There's no way around it. 100%. There's no two ways around it. A hundred percent. And I mean, the way I am is not, I'm no credit to myself for the way I am. It's everyone around me who is mm -hmm. a part of my upbringing. Mm -hmm. And that's important to understand. And it's a humbling, it's a humbling thing to know. Um, you picked January 28th as mm -hmm. your song. Mm -hmm. I'm in it. I'm I've decided that for each uh, podcast, I want to make the intro music uh, meaningful music towards my guest. I want them to have insight on why they feel that way and what that music means to them and why they chose it. So I just want to know. what. Well, personally, I feel like that's my favorite song off of that album. I feel J. Cole's my favorite artist. I've seen him at, you know, um, every... Uh, I say, I last, last year, I've seen him. And... Um, I just, you know, so much things in his music I feel like I could connect to. And with that one line that I sent you, um, I felt like it's derivative of this conversation and why I'm here today. It's um, Music speaks to us. Yeah, we need to listen. We really it's, do. Wait, wait, I said, come from where you're from, not talking about the slums. I'm talking about that mindset to keep a black nigga dumb, keep a black nigga dying by a black nigga gun. I can relate to that because growing up in Marlboro, with me being the only African American and people outlining that type of persona for me and that persona being outlined for me just because I'm an African American, people think that that's just all that I am. And J. Cole got out of that, out of the, out of that environment and is an influential voice of our generation and that's what he was meaning through, that, through those lines. Just like, I want to get out and make something out of myself, not be what people, not be the man, what I used to be, and not have that instilled into people's thoughts. That's powerful. But yeah, um, this girl, my vibe came here. <laughs> Would it be all right if she came in? Uh, sure. I mean, did you have anything else you wanted to add, or do you want? Um, no, I think that we got pretty much wrap this up. Covered. Uh, it's a pleasure having you. I'm glad that you have the confidence to come share your voice mm -hmm. and. I'm proud of everything you've done, everything you've become, and I can't wait to see what the future holds. And I hope we stay in touch, and I'd love to have you on again and continue this movement in this voice of community. I want you to be a part of it, and I want you to keep coming back. So, okay. Can I get my grinder out your car? Yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Peace Thanks out. Thanks for having me. the game whenever he snaps. That's every track, nigga. Don't give him too much you. Don't let him take control. One thing you do, don't let them take your soul. If you believe in God, one thing's for sure. If you ain't ain't too high, then you ain't too low, then you ain't too low.